set down your sleepy water and your Mr. Whistle and crack it cold. It's time to have a real talk about pediatric dentistry. This is Bruise and Tiny Teeth. That I had like you and Megan um, and Ann Bynum all on together. Like, and now I feel like I'm, now I'm just like, oh God, they probably think I'm just like, I, I can't branch out at all but they were all really cool guests so it's we're gonna keep the trend going I loved it they're great people and they they practice what they preach like it wasn't I listened to both of them and it was Mm -hmm. not it was not an act like that's how they are and they're awesome so I Mm -hmm. I thought that was great that you interviewed them Yeah, you know, I'm learning there's a, there's a lot of good people over in, in South Carolina, so it's it's cool. It's a good I, place. We need to get everyone to come down and visit us. We do. I South Carolina is a state that I have not uh I have not been to before. Um had you been to South Carolina prior to doing your startup and stuff? So as a kid, we went to Myrtle Beach in like third mm-hmm. grade. Um but no, not really. So Chad graduated fellowship when we started looking for jobs, um, kind of looked all over. And then when he interviewed here, I knew I was like, this is the one, this is the job that he wants. If he gets it, we're moving to South Carolina. Um, and I was on board with it for sure. Um, so then he got the job in October of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- October, 2020. Um, and so we decided to make the move. We just moved here in July. So have been here about six months now, which is hard to believe. And did you, uh, I know you and I had talked about this briefly, but how in the area, you're going to have to tell me more about like the community. Cause I don't know how close you are to like, Ann, Dr. you know, Ann Bynum's office and stuff, but like, if it's a similar type of vibe and how, remind me how you, you landed on, is it five, what's the name of, is it five, five, five forks? Oaks? Five Forks, five, yeah. It's Five Forks, and it's in Simpsonville. So Simpsonville, that's right. Yeah, it's a whole upstate, and the the best known town is Greenville, and then Simpsonville is a really fast growing suburb of Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anne actually played an integral role in how I found my spot. So when Chad accepted the job here, I had been working as an associate back home about an hour south of Chicago for two years. Um. I knew, I always knew like practice ownership was something I wanted. I just did not plan to do it right now Um, Mm -hmm. because moving across the country where I really, I knew one person here um, and starting a practice I thought was just kind of crazy, Um, especially Mm -hmm. it is a competitive area. So my plan was to find a job, work for a couple years, ideally buy into a practice um, and take it from there. So I started my job search, found a couple opportunities that would have been fine, um, wouldn't have been like long-term what I wanted to do. And so then um, I met Dr. Ann and the Iowa blood runs strong. Um, (laughs) That it does. (laughs) Yeah. So I, so Bryce actually, our our good buddy Bryce just said, hey, you should reach out to Ann Bynum. She's well-known in the pedal world. Tell her you're an Iowa grad. Just become her friend. Um, and so I did. And she put the bug in my ear to start a practice. She's yeah. like, Kirsten, if you're going to do it in a couple years, why not now? Just do it now. Um, and so once I got that thought in my head, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. I just. Yeah. 
so so time out back up i want to learn more in when you were in chicago because i knew when we were for those who don't know you were an ortho resident while i was uh, a pedo resident so we went through our respective training programs at the same time um you had talked about getting back towards chicago which i think you're natively sort of from chicago area right yes um so so tell me about like was your associate experience something that made you realize like, man, I can't be taken. I got to like do my own thing. I'm just not cut out to like do the associate life or like, what was your associate experience like right out of residency? So it was great until it wasn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'm super, super grateful for that opportunity. I went back to my hometown and worked in a private practice, two locations, three doctors. Um, One was the owner doctor who was, Um, in his 60s. And then one was another associate who graduated three years before I did. So kind of had the best of both worlds to learn from someone younger who remembers what it was like being new and then someone who'd been out for a while. Um, And they had had previous associates too. Um, Really, really, really busy practice. Uh, Mm. I was seeing anywhere from 60 to 100 patients a day by myself. Wow. Could only do that because the team was wonderful. They were great. Um, the assistants, we had a big team at both offices. Um, but it just wasn't what I wanted long term. I didn't want to see 100 patients a day. Um, it, it wore me out. Um, I didn't really want to practice in Illinois anymore. It was really, really cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> taxes aren't very fun in Illinois Taxes either. are horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love Chicago. I grew up there. My friends and family are still there. Um, and so it was a great experience, but it did push me to start a practice. Um, some of the jobs that I found here um, as an associate reminded me of my job back home. And while that wouldn't have been horrible, it just wasn't what I wanted long term. So that experience did in a way push me to start a practice so I could have control mostly of the office culture, um, Mm -hmm. of my hours, of my days of the week, of who I hired and how I treated my team. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was more that rather than not being able to work under someone else's treatment guidelines um, because there's a lot of good ways to practice and I learned a lot there, but it did push me to start a practice for sure. Yeah, gotcha. So, you know... we could spend the entire episode too talking about like the ins and outs as far as like getting the loan and building out the space and everything. Um, but do, can you give me like the condensed rundown to get people caught up with like, um, you know, the startup process? Cause it's a lot of it is obviously going to be pretty parallel to starting a peds office, but tell me like, um, you know, the, I guess we'll get more into talking about the community that you're in, but like the office you renovated, your loan, like the square footage, number of chairs, staff, give me like the the three to five minute summary of like of the startup project so far. Yeah. So um, I will say Dr. Ann, she just like knew I went to Iowa and like took me under her wing and has been a great, great, great mentor. Um, so she actually helped me find my space because nice. not being from the area, I would have no clue where to start. Um, it is, I would say it is pretty saturated. There's a couple offices five minutes from me that um, were private and recently sold to corporate. Um, and then there's a couple private offices 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes from me as well. 
Um, so it is a competitive area, but it's a growing area. Um, mm-hmm. and there's lots of kids. And then I literally practice two, it's its own standalone building, but it's two doors down from Holly Tree Pediatric Dentistry. Oh, so, is it? nice. Yeah, Very it's cool. really close. And so when we found this space, it was a urology office needed to be totally renovated, um, not up to code ADA wise. So we found the contractors got going almost a year ago, last year in February. Um, and then some delays with COVID, but overall things went pretty smooth. Um, and the office was ready in October. From I moved in July and I didn't want to miss the summer rush of orthopatients. So from July to October, I rented a chair at Dr. Ann's office, um, which was nice because I got to see a lot of her patients. Um, I will say the only downside to that was people, other dentists and other families that didn't go to Holly Tree did not know that we were open Mm. or they didn't want to refer to me being in a pedo office. I would have never encouraged them to switch dentists or anything like that, but they were a little more hesitant to refer to me. So that was like our start. Our soft opening was in her office. And then kind of our full blown opening was in October when we got into our own space. Um, so, so July, August, September. So you did about three months uh, working and are you associating or are you just full bore? Just like, are, do you have an associateship while you're doing this as well? I do not. Okay. Um, I'm open. So part of the deal, I hired two fantastic team members that are very experienced, um, 12 plus years of experience each in private ortho world. They came highly recommended from their previous orthodontist who retired. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love them to death. And I promised I would hire them full time um, because they needed and wanted the hours. So we're open full time. And the ortho world is typically four days a week. Um, so we're open Monday through Thursday on Friday. I'm either traveling, working on treatment plans, taking CE, taking dentists to lunch, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not doing an associateship w- along with that. Um, but Chad does have a well-paying job. So it's not like I have to worry about making the mortgage. Um, right. so that is right. a blessing there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. That and I had some savings from my two years of working before. Good. So, yeah, I was same boat. I didn't have an associateship either, but it. Uh, I've talked about this a couple of times in the podcast, but it, it. The more I talk to different people that do startups, it seems like if you are in a position where either you have to or you can jump in, hundred percent full time and do that associate or you know not do the associateship and do your own startup full time, it just like can really pay off exponentially because it just forces you to figure it out and just go all like all the chips on the table all in right away. Um, so it's the people that seem to do that, like seem to have a lot of growth early on because you just don't have a other choice and it just forces you to just, you know, if you have an associateship, you can always just kind of lean on that a little bit more. Like if things aren't going great in the practice, you know, your startup, you're like, ah, eh, just, it's fine. I associate like, you know, whereas if that's your only stream of income and you're not going to get paid until you figure it out, it just forces you to to figure it out sooner and harder and faster. So it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's always something that can be done. I mean, I love to leave my work at work and have my free time and work-life balance. Um, mm-hmm. But I've gone to a couple lunches with Dennis that on a Friday when I was off or just in the slow, slow period in the beginning, and now they're some of my biggest referrals. So... I think 
yeah, if you, if you can swing it and not work somewhere else, I feel like a lot of people are not in that position and that's okay too. But, um, any extra hours working in or on your practice instead of in your practice are, are great. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to mention too, with this, like this challenge and you said with some of the, um, you know, like a, a little bit of competition and stuff, my understanding, and I want you to just, I want your thoughts on this, but it's sound, this comes from somebody I'm not married to an orthodontist. I don't have a lot of like really close ortho, like, you know, all my colleagues are like pedo. So, um, I don't always get the inside scoop here, but my understanding is the differences in ortho and pedo startups is like pedo tends to have, you know, obviously like a large volume of smaller procedures and more Medicaid, but the trade-off is you tend to be busy quickly if you move to certain areas. Whereas ortho, from what I've heard, the startup period is a little bit more drug out and is a little bit tougher just because it's such like a marketplace game. Like you've got to get really, you know, you got to get the community, a lot of social media stuff. It's like a, in a, a branding thing thing. And it takes a while for like, you know, to kind of get the whole machine going. Um, that's like my bias perception of how it goes. Would you say that that's a pretty accurate statement? Like, or, or has it been, you know, a flood of patients right away with good referral sources, but like, just comment on that for me, if you will. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent correct. Um, and everything that you said, and also in ortho, we're not getting paid right away. So there's that whole cash flow issue where you might start a patient and they put $200 down or whatever you require down, but then they're making payments over two years. So that is definitely, um, a true statement, all that, that you said, um, I've heard, I don't know, I'm too early into the game to know. I've heard like year two and year three for ortho is really where you see a lot of growth. You get your growth and guidance or recall pool going. Um, you get the name out there, the siblings and things like that. Um, to kind of counteract the, the slow start or the two years of payments, we do offer like a courtesy discount for patients that pay in full. Um, and I put that a lot towards like my Invisalign lab fees or whatever, just to, to get my cash flow going. And we do have a lot of patients that take us up on that. So that's mm-hmm. been helpful. Okay. Let's talk about that because, uh, th- that was a question I had for you as far as like collections, payment plans, even like number of starts. I know orthodontists tend to track metrics that I'm not familiar with and start seems to be the big one. Like instead of tracking new patients, you know, it seems to be the number of starts. Uh, so my first question, I guess, is what is like a normal number of starts? Obviously, it's it's different in a startup because you're new. And so it's going to be a, a like a, you know, snowball gaining speed going down a mountain. But like at your say your established office or your bigger offices that you work for your associateship, what a good, healthy ortho clinic, like a single doc ortho clinic, what's a normal number of starts somebody like in a month? I have no idea. I'm, I'm asking genuinely. Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, I don't know either. I feel like everyone's a little bit different. Um, at my last practice, and I know a lot of offices will do a consult every hour. So you've got seven or eight consults in a day, and then you're hoping to convert on most of those patients. Obviously, you've got some that would be not ready to go um, and things like that. But yeah, that's, I actually don't really know, oh, that's know okay. an answer to that, but I say a lot of us, if I could do a consult every hour, I would be, be really happy. I've got a, a friend and colleague in the area who does a consult every 30 minutes. 
Um, so we're really trying to crank it out, (laughs) see, Mm -hmm. see a lot of patients. Um, but that being said, you've got your phase one and your growth and guidance pool too. Mm -hmm. And have, uh, like referral sources. I I love, it sounds like you're going out to dinners and hustling, which I'm obviously always a big fan of. I think is super important, but would you say a good number of patients, I would assume come from like referrals and pediatric dentists, like you've made a pretty good attempt to reach out and like develop those relationships. Like do, if you had to guess, like what percentage of these patients are getting referred to you based off these personal connections you've been kind of nurturing versus just like find you on social media, Google and say, Hey, I need an orthodontist. Like, well, give me an approximate breakdown there. Yeah. I would say in the beginning, pretty much everything. And I'm very fortunate in this was from referrals with Mm -hmm. a handful of patients that drove by and saw my sign. Those patients that just drive by and see my sign, I feel like are a little bit harder to convert just because they, they, they don't know me versus if a dentist has met me and can recommend me and say, I've seen their other patients or seen their son or whatever, that's a little bit easier for me to convert that patient um, and get a start because they've already heard about me. Um, So yeah, in the beginning, I took a lot of dentists to lunch or just tried to reach out if they didn't do lunches and say hi, not necessarily to ask for referrals, but just, just say, hey, I'm new to the area, want you to put a face to the name. Um, and that way, even if they don't refer to me, a lot of people in this area went to school together. So they refer to their friends they've been referring to you for 15, 20 years. And I don't expect them to suddenly start referring to me. But if we do have a mutual patient and the patient mentions my name, I want them to be able to say, yes, I've met her. She's really nice versus I don't know who that is. Didn't even know she was an orthodontist in town. So Mm-hmm. Um, my referring dentists have been a lot of help. And then now that we've been here for a few more months, I'm getting more siblings, um, and word of mouth referrals. Um, I've definitely had a handful that say they found me on social media or saw something about me on social media. So that's been a nice, um, thing as well. I know you use that tool as well, that like free social you know media. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It's such a cheap, a cheap return on investment. And it's just like, you know, telling you things that you already know, but like, there's a reason like social media influencers make bajillions of dollars now just to have, you know, a half a million or a million Instagram followers is because all those dollars that went into yellow pages and billboards and radio and TV ads that are all obsolete, all those marketing dollars have just gotten funneled into what we're on 90% of the day is just social media exposure. So there's a lot of money and a lot of potential there. So it's cool that you're, that's, we're going to actually, I should, that's on my list of things to ask you about towards the end here. So table that one, cause Sounds I like good. your Instagram stuff. Um, but to finish up this topic, number starts then, um, tell me more about like how the collection and payment system works in an ortho office. Cause, uh, obviously like if a patient pays full fees up front, six or seven grand or whatever comprehensive ortho like fee is. Side note, it's always been weird to me that orthodontist, you know, it could be a super complex, uh, you know, a class three case with a bunch of stuff going on. Or if it's just like class one mild crowding, it seems, you know, it's all just one fee. I don't know. The whole fee thing is a big mystery in ortho. So maybe you can comment on that. But I'm also curious, like from a collection standpoint, um, I just wanted to learn more about like how the pay, how you set up your payment plans, like the perk of ortho that I I think seems nice is that like, once you do get going, it's like routine checks coming in, payment plans, credit cards getting run. Whereas like in the pedo world, it's just like 
you wait for a huge stack of checks from the bajillion different kids you saw to come in. And then it's a lot of manpower to like enter all those checks, track down co-pays, find out why things didn't get submitted. That's like a huge challenge in pedo where ortho it's nice where if you've been established for a while, you know that like you're going to have, um, uh, dependable like income streams and cash flow after a while. So just like, how do you set up your, like, how do you set up those payment plans and just like, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So this is where my experienced practice manager helped a lot because she knew a lot about what worked at her last practice. Um, and so that's been great, but we offer, you know, flexible options. We'll say, Hey, you're going to be in treatment for 27 months about, We'll give you 24 months to pay it off. If you put $800 down, your monthly payments are this. If you put $500 down, your monthly payments are this. If you pay in full, you get this courtesy discount. Um, and we give patients that option rather than just leading with the big number. Um, and I feel like seeing the monthly payments, that's a little bit easier for them to manage. Mm -hmm. um, that's the first thing that I think has been really helpful. I also do not take any insurance. I will file it. Um, but with ortho, so many insurances don't cover hardly anything anyway. And the amount of like work and manpower it would take for us to take that insurance, it just really, um, at this point, after talking to other people, doesn't seem like it would be worth it. Um, I haven't had an issue with that. With a, the exception of a couple Medicaid patients, most of my Patients have still proceeded with treatment, and most of the insurance cover cover companies will cover whatever they would cover normally. So um, if if I am, let's say I'm a new patient to yours, I come in, my kid needs comprehensive ortho, and I know that I have like I pay for the top level of benefits at my work or something, an expensive dental plan, and I know that like there's like a lifetime max or whatever of say thousand dollars or something, you know, something of ortho benefits. If I tell you that, bring my insurance card. Um, are your girls like, do they somehow run that in the software and submit it and verify that? And then once you start ortho, you'll submit, like you submit it through your clearinghouse and try to get reimbursed that initial thousand bucks. Is that, is that, am I ex explaining that process accurately if they do have ortho benefits? Yes, exactly. So if they fill out their paperwork online beforehand, my practice manager will go in and verify their insurance before they even get there. Mm -hmm. If they don't, they'll fill out the paperwork when they get there. I'll go in, we'll do the records in the consult. And then while I'm doing that, my practice manager will verify their insurance. So then by the end of the consultation, she can go in there and give them their insurance benefit, um, the costs with, uh, with their insurance and all that kind of stuff. Every once in a while, she can't verify it while they're there. She'll have to give them a call with the final breakdown, but most of the time we're able to give them all that information before they leave. Um, so that I feel like patients appreciate that. And my practice manager is awesome at that without her. Obviously I couldn't do it that way. So, mm -hmm. and then, uh, so if I, let's say 6,000 bucks to get the braces done or whatever the cost is, and my insurance is going to pick up a grand and they, you know, I want my kid to get braces. I'm sitting down with you. You're going over different costs and options and stuff. Um, you know, I say, let's just like make monthly payments, you know, take my credit card, take my money. Do you have a way to like store that credit card info in your software to like routinely run it? They sign something that says, okay, on the first day of the month, 
I'm going to run it. And then your front desk tracks that. How does that system work in your office? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, we require all of our patients to do auto pay or auto draft. Um, and so that just makes our lives easier. We'll give them, hey, do you want us to run it on this day or this day? We usually pick a couple days of the month and run everything on that day. Smart. Um, yeah, it, it just makes things a little bit easier on us. Um, and then if a card declines or if they switch cards, we'll reach out to them and ask. Um, some of our patients are really good, like, hey, I lost my card. Um, here's my new one. Um, and so that's how we've been doing it. It's really nice. Sometimes we'll have patients come in and pay extra um, in cash, but that's rare. Mm-hmm. Usually we just do the auto draft. Gotcha. Okay. That's nice. That that uh, that makes sense. So we talked about that. Um, have you really had much of a problem with accounts? See, that's another perk of ortho. It's like, I feel like your accounts receivables got to be pretty buttoned up since a lot of things are on auto pay and stuff. And you might not be open long enough to really start to like, you know, uh, develop this system yet. But like, you know, have you really had much of like uh, aging 90 days plus AR that you've had to mess with? Probably not yet, really. Right. We really haven't. I had one I was looking the other day and it was like 90 plus days, three cents. And I was like, what, what, what is that? But um, overall, it's been really pretty smooth. Um, One thing I was going to say is setting my fees was something that I didn't really know how to do. How do you go about picking what your fees are going to be in a new area? Um, Fortunately, since my team members had worked elsewhere, I knew approximately what the fees were in the area. Um, I worked at a practice that was beforehand that was very low fee, very um, high volume. And that's a great mm-hmm. model if that's what you want to do. Um, for me, that was not the model I, I thought I could sustain for the rest of my life. And so I just decided to have reasonable but higher fees within the, the range. Um, and I just, that's what's working for me right now. And that would be some advice I would give to startups is don't be afraid to charge what, what your practice is worth or what, what your treatment is worth. Um, because once you're known for being the cheapest orthodontist in the area, it's hard to crawl out of that. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And that's a great model. I know practices that have that model, they advertise that model, but you have to kind of pick your thing and do do what's going to work for you and then make that your niche and then let the practices that have that model treat those patients and do them a great service. But mm. that is one advice, word of advice someone gave to me. And after my experience at my last office, um, I took that to heart. No, I think that's fantastic advice. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. I like remember sitting down when I first opened to and being like, okay, stainless steel crown, you know, you kind of think back or you reference other offices you've worked at, but it ultimately comes down to like, what do I, yeah. What do you think is reasonable? It's not an easy thing to do. I'm giving Mm -hmm. you credit for that. But what, as an orthodontist though, like how many different codes are you actually billing out on a regular basis? Like, you know, you just, you guys play with rubber bands and glue all day. Right. So it's like, you've got your, like a comp exam of sorts, like a diagnostic appointment with like impressions. And because then at that point, somebody can say, I don't want to go through a treatment once you propose the treatment plan. And then after that is a big comp exam code. And then there's like remake a retainer or something like, I feel like you guys can live off of like five codes, but I don't know. Enlighten me here. Is that correct? Or like what all codes Yeah, you're right. And they actually just changed our phase one codes to something different. That was like the talk on all the forums, but it's, it's pretty simple. We just have a handful of codes and 
my practice manager handles all of that for me. So I couldn't even tell you what they are, um, <laughs> but just a, just a handful of codes. And um, yeah, that's the other thing is some people aren't going to choose your practice in a competitive area. They're going to go for second opinions and that's okay. Try not to take it personally. You never know. Um, and then some will go for a second opinion and come back. Mm-hmm. So just always speak highly of the other person and take the high road um, mm-hmm. and realize you can't treat everyone. So it's okay. Sometimes it's easy to take it personally, but you never know. Maybe the other place was cheaper. Maybe it was closer to home. Maybe they just liked the other orthodontist better and and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. I, it's, I actually almost sometimes now like almost encourage like some parents that you just know, like this mom's I'm getting the vibes that she's never going to be happy with like what I do. It's going to be a lot to handle. Like, you know, maybe we're just not jiving like we, we would, or you can just read that person when you're telling them treatment plan stuff. Like, I don't know if she's really like feeling what I'm, I'm laying down here. So then sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, and you know, I know this is like a lot of information I'm bringing on you. Like some of this might be kind of a surprise. Like I always encourage you, like, if you want to verify, like what I'm saying, certainly go get a second opinion. If I were you know, in full transparency, nine out of 10 pediatric dentists are going to recommend a sedation and this and this, but like, please get a second opinion if you want a second set of eyes on this. And if they go and get a second set of eyes and, and, you know, we're dodging a bullet, like that's, that's, that's fine. So that's also very, very sound advice. The second opinion is, is a good thing to, it's, it's a thing to embrace and not to fight because it'll keep you out of a lot of headaches, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, okay. So then let's go back to some of the social media stuff. Uh, Cause we had kind of talked about that, like between that and competition and some thoughts, but you know, from day one, you were pretty active on Instagram and it seems like I I've noted differences between orthodontists and pediatric dentists on social media that it seems like as of right now, pediatric dentistry is strongest on um, Facebook. Um, Whereas orthodontists seem to thrive more on Instagram to some degree. And I think it's just like, you know, I, I'm once again, just speculating at this point, but I think it's just because the age demographics of moms with kids coming to a pediatric dentist are more in that 30 to 40 range where they were kind of like myself, where like Facebook was sort of the thing when they were younger. And that's where how they're super connected. Whereas like uh, the ortho world you got a lot of teenagers that are on Instagram, TikTok, like Instagram is more their thing. And teenagers have more of an influence in the orthodontist that they like when they're at school and their friends are like, Hey, I, I go see Dr. Kirsten or something like that's influencing to them. And then they look you up on Instagram and everything. Um, so I don't know if you found that's the case, but um, it's you, obviously you play well to the Instagram role and have a, a nice active profile there. But it would, would you say that that's, what you've seen or was accurate in the, and maybe in like from your Chicago deal too, like if, if you noted that that was sort of the case. Yeah, I, I do. And one of the reasons I do more Instagram is just cause I'm better at it. I'm on it more myself. And so mm-hmm. it was just easier for me. Um, the social media stuff, I do it all myself. I wouldn't say I love doing it. Um, I'm a little introverted to put myself out there sometimes, but I just remind myself, Hey, it might help one person. And so, um, I just try to think about like my goals and not think, not so be self self conscious about it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do think it helps. I do think you've got to 
be yourself. You can't really copy another office or another orthodontist and do what they're doing because um, you want your social media to match your practice and to match your values and to match you. So if you're saying one thing on social media and it's another completely different thing when they come into your practice, that's not going to go over so well. Um, like I will never be on social media. I guess never say never, but I will never be the orthodontist that's like dancing and doing TikToks. Like that is just not me. Being ridiculous. So I'm not, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. force it. And so I just pick my like four or five things that I want to do on it and I rotate them. So I'll do something like personal. I'll do something educational. I'll do something community based. Nice. Um, I'll do my dog is on there all the time. Yeah, um, I love your dog. I see the post. That's a good one. It's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and I don't know. It's hard to get a return on investment, but I do know I've had parents say, "Oh, yeah, I didn't realize it took that much schooling to be an orthodontist." I saw that on your page. Um, I've maybe had a handful of patients say they picked my practice because of social media, but I do think if you're if they're getting that referral for you, they're gonna look you up before they call. Mm-hmm. So even if that's not why they pick your practice, they're going to look at it before they come and see you. So do you do any boosted? Uh, have you messed with any like boosted or targeted posts or anything like that yet? I haven't. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I would I would love some more advice on that. I just I haven't done it yet. I've thought about it and just haven't haven't pulled the trigger yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's something uh, it's something to look into. I, I would assume it'd be very effective for an orthodontist just because it's worked pretty well for myself. Um, but yeah, a couple of YouTube videos on like, pick it up. It's, I think it, it is, uh, it tends to work better on like on Facebook, but you know, because Facebook owns Instagram when you're mm-hmm. selecting, you know, you say you want to target like, uh, moms of a certain age in this area by, you know, where you live and you pick your demographic, you pick your, you know, moms with kids, uh, that are, you know, teenage kids, you go through and you pick your demographics. Um, you know, you can select what platform you want that ad to be to reach your audience on. So if you want it to be just on like your Facebook, um, your, uh, like your Facebook feed, or you could do like your Facebook video player and then Facebook messenger, there's all these different Facebook reels, like it'll pop up in between there. And then there's different ones for Instagram too. So like you could select, like, I just want moms that are on Instagram to see this, that, and I don't use the Instagram side as much, but, um, I don't know. I feel like it's, it'd be a pretty easy thing to view YouTube videos. And I feel like you could get some good invest return on investment from it. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting too, with like, I've, when I opened my practice, like a little over like a year and a half ago, 90% of my posts, I post on Instagram and have them dual post, like crossover and do the th- same thing on Facebook. I have boosted a few on Facebook, like thrown a, 50 to hundred bucks, like once a month to like boost a few. But like in general, I've done the same content on both pages and my Instagram page for my practice has like 300 or 400, I don't know, like not a crazy amount of followers, like eh, decent. And then like my Facebook is like pretty soon going to reach like 2000. So it's just like, it just shows you the pedo moms are like on Facebook, like they're, they're trolling they're on the groups, the mom groups and like Facebook lends itself well to like the mom groups, as you know. Yeah, too. absolutely. That's awesome, Casey. Good for you. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's another thing I guess I, I'd ask, but I don't know. You you need some like local moms to infiltrate the mom groups for you and like start plugging plugging the ortho practice a little bit. 
I know, I know. I'm starting to get some of that word of mouth stuff and just really let them know how thankful I am when they do do that. But yeah, I need to somehow get in there on those forums and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, how big is the town? You know, when you were going through, you said you got a corporate office, another office like 15 minutes away. How, how big is the city that you're in? Is it? So the Greenbelt Metro is 900,000. Um, Simpsonville itself, I know it's one of the fastest growing areas. I actually don't know. Let me, I should look that up really yeah, fast. Yeah, Google that. I just, well, and I guess when it sounds like it's a suburb of some sort and it's at some point, some suburbs, it's like, where do you draw the line? Cause it all kind of blends together at some point. But yeah, I'm curious what the formal population of that area so according to Google, it's about 22,000 in 2019 in Simpsonville. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny, people here, they don't want to drive <laughs> too mm-hmm. far um, for anything. And traffic is getting worse, I will say. Coming from Chicago, it's nothing, but it is getting worse here just because it is growing more than they expected, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, lots of orthodontists, lots of people, lots of growth. It sounds like it's a good long-term play though, You know, knowing that the area is not going to get smaller. Housing prices are going to go up. People are going to keep moving and growing. Like, you know, if I sometimes think about like, are you the youngest orthodontist slash pediatric dentist in the area, or even just like a, a dentist in general? Cause that's a factor that gets overlooked during these startups too, is, um, and applies for both. But if you're an orthodontist and you set up shop and the other orthodontist in town, it's maybe really established, but there are all in their fifties or sixties or, you know, it's, it's totally different than if it's owned by another young gun, but when you're young and energetic, like it's a different level of intensity than, you know, an old established geezer that's been around for a while. So a factor. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, and one thing that actually surprisingly helped me a little bit is that with my timing two very successful private offices sold to corporate shortly before I moved here. Um, and there's nothing wrong with corporate. There's a lot of phenomenal corporate offices. Um, but in the one case specifically, the transition didn't go very smoothly. They had a couple associates in a short amount of time and parents were frustrated. They loved the orthodontist that had left. And so that was hard on them. And then having two doctors kind of back to back and the communication just wasn't there. So with the patients explaining all that, so that has actually, um, helped me because Mm -hmm. they are looking for a new place for the younger siblings um, or looking for, they went there for phase one and they're looking for someone new for phase two. So that would be advice I would give as well. Actually, when you're going out to meet the dentist, of course, meet everyone. um, But if you can find a dentist that doesn't have a long-term, long-time referral source that they're constantly sending patients to, if they're new to the area, younger or the referral source, the person they were referring to sold to corporate, they might be looking for a new place to refer. So mm-hmm. that's been helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic too. Like dentistry is unique in that people like consistency, I think. So that's been a line that I use a lot of times on w- when you get those second opinions or yeah, my older sibling went to an orthodontist and we kept seeing different providers, but that happens a lot. Pedo is becoming more and more corporatized. And when there's a few distant corporate offices and they get frustrated and they come here, the line I, I'll say to parents like, yeah, I'm sorry you had that, you know, not great experience. Like if it makes a difference, I'm going to be here for like the next 30 years. So you know where to find me. Like if you need me, like I'm, I'm going to be here every day. So you just call me and, and it's like, they laugh a little bit and it's like, oh. but you know, it's nice to kind of brand yourself as like, you know, the, 
single doc owner be a good content for like a post too. just like FYI, just because honestly, most it's most people don't even realize that like it's possible to have, you know, sunshine orthodontist orthodontics and that it's owned by, you know, uh, 50% ownership by a hedge phone and angel investors and a big DSO in another state. And they have no idea because it's all private equity and with the same, you know, doing business as name. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. People appreciate seeing the same face over and over. So I think that's, uh, that's very sound advice as well. Um, but let me, so as we kind of wrap up here, you've said multiple times, like I, the last thing I was going to ask you is like, I guess goals going forward and then advice for other orthodontists. So start with goals. Like what's kind of your, your envision for your practice, I guess, as far as the next like year, you know, being in the early stages, what, uh, what are some of your more immediate goals for, for the practice? Yeah. Um, of course, growth always. Um, I would like to get to the point where I'm ready to hire a new team member. Um, I just have the one assistant right now. Um, another thing on my to-do list is I want to get a 3D printer um, and play around with that a little bit. Um, I'm trying to do a lot of clear aligners. I'm trying out some new um, some new ones besides just Invisalign. Um, so just learning as much as I can about all those other systems um, and really streamlining my systems. It's one thing to go from a practice where, you know, they had their own like wire sequence or appointment schedule. And I want to figure out what I like the best for me. Um, and just really hammering that out. So once we are really, really busy, it's, it's efficient. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, growth team member, 3D. Do you have a 3D, uh, like a comb beam? Is that something you have in the office? I do have a comb beam. Yeah, I do have a comb beam. Um, I have a Vatec and plug to them. Like it is the best image quality ever. Both my PanSaf and my CBCT is really awesome image quality and the rep is the best. Looks good. Um, so I do have that. Um, of course, I feel like you can't have an orthodontist office these days without a scanner. Um, so I've got a scanner, mm-hmm. eventually I'll probably get another one. Um, and then, yeah, the 3d printer is on my, t- my to-do list. Orthodontists like their toys. It's all, yeah, they got, we do, we cool do. And, and I hate, and I hate yeah. lab work, but <laughs> I do want to get into the 3d printing. Um, oh, and I guess I never answered this question. Um, I've got four chairs four open bay chairs, two private ops, and then, um, a consultation room. So you mm. asked me that way in the beginning and I never answered that. Um, okay. we're not using all the chairs, but I think you can get a lot of orthodontics done with, with that number of chairs. And also that's all we had room for in my space. So. Sure. Yeah. You can do a, obviously a lot of damage, um, out of that, but yeah, it's funny. I don't like lab work. Like you mean, you're saying you didn't love just like staying at the Iowa lab until 10 o'clock at night, like cutting or like trimming your cast to like 20 to whatever, freaking what, 25 degrees. And so it could stand up on every single edge and uh, just pure transparency. Cause this is an unfiltered pocket. I thought that was the stupidest shit. I was just <laughs> like, why am I spending so much time perseverating over the angles of this? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's an ortho thing, you know, to, to scrub them so that they come to, you know, nice, shiny, you know, oh pantyhose to get them glistening. Like this is, uh, this you is, know, I'm, the class below me, they decreased the number of models they had to trim by a lot. So I'm glad they did that. Cause you're right. It was such a waste of time. The saving <laughs> grace was my co-residents were the best. And so we were all in it together, but 
Yeah. yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, um, so goals and advice for orthodontists or say like we've got a pedo ortho couple listening or an orthodontist is checking out the podcast, like, um, or just like startup advice in general, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple things that are, are pretty good so far, but, um, you know, any, uh, any other like thoughts as we kind of finish up, like for, uh, for pearls going forward, things you wish you would have done different advice for somebody doing a startup, like, uh, just like general concepts, like start now, start later, just kind of general advice you have for listeners. Yeah. Um, if, if you're thinking about doing it, do it. Um, I'm, I'm so happy I did it. I wasn't planning to do it this soon. Um, I'm two or two and a half years out now from residency. Um, I'm glad I didn't wait any longer. So you can do it. Um, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to help, but find yourself a group of people that's doing what you're doing. So the Facebook groups are great for this. Um, I have a couple orthodontists that I've never met in real life. Um, one opened a year before I did. One just opened last week, um, her own practice. And we talk, I talk to them every day. We text every day and bounce ideas off each other, cases, what lab do you use, all kinds of things. So find a group of people that have done it before. Don't reinvent the wheel. Find some mentors and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um and then keep things in perspective. I think we're really, really lucky. Um, dentistry does not have to be that serious. Um, so it can be as stressful as you make it. It really can. Like you can get really upset over something small, but at the end of the day, no one's dying in our office, knock on wood. Um, you can do, most things we do are reversible. You Your significant other- most of the things- your significant other is a cardiologist. So like you have good perspective on this. <laughs> yes, it do, it truly does help. Like he has to go in and tell a patient, you have a 50% chance of dying in mm-hmm. this surgery. My sister likewise is a, is a nurse in an ICU for babies and holding like babies that are days old, barely able to survive. So it really puts it in perspective for me. Um, and so I just try to not sweat the small stuff, realize I'm going to make mistakes, some of them expensive mistakes, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but um, that's okay. And then just remembering how lucky we are to be in this profession. So yeah, amen to that. Kirsten, uh, if you had mentioned if somebody has a question, like if there's any ortho peeps in the in the you know podcast listening, do you got an email or a cell or a good way to you know email to get in touch with you if somebody wants to pick your brain on some ortho topics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it is Dr. Dr. Dot Frazier, F-R-A-Z as in zebra, I-E-R, ortho, O-R-T-H-O dot com. Um, my practice is Frazier Orthodontics um, in Simpsonville, South Carolina. So find us on social media and you can find me that way um, or just give me an email and I'd be happy to help. I feel like I've had so many people believe in me um, and help me along the way. And, um, so I would love to do that for someone else. For sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on, telling us, uh, kind of your story and it was great catching up too. Like I've been meaning to get a hold of you and see how things are going. So it sounds like things are rocking and rolling out East there, but I'm glad you're having success and growing and things are going well. And I am excited to see kind of how things evolve, you know, we're, like you said, you and I are going to be doing this for the next 30 years. So it'll be cool to see how things kind of expand over time. It'll be good. Yeah, I know. And I'm going to make it out this fall for an Iowa football game. So we'll have to all have a reunion. Try to meet up or something. That'd be fun for sure. Yeah. Cool. 
Okay. Well, it was good talking to you and catching up. Um, and we'll stay in touch. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good night, Casey. All right. Good night, Kirsten. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Bruise and Tiny Teeth podcast. Don't forget to submit any questions, comments, or tough clinical situations to cgets at troypediatricdentist.com for our next Pedo Pearls Power Hour. Also, be sure to share our podcast and leave a review. Thanks, and we'll see you again next week for another episode.